and welcome to the Mega Vision Show, episode 113. My name is Chris Pallon. I'm the editor of Mega Visions. This week, we're joined by Sam and Alicia. We'll start with Alicia first this time. How have you been doing, Alicia? I have been away for a little bit, haven't I? Uh, I think we've all been. We've been away for a little bit. Uh, you know, we skipped, a, yeah. I think, a week or so. But, uh, yeah. but and You guys yeah. had that fun one without me. I know how it is. No. <laughs> Uh, we had the we had we the six around to. here, so it just it kind of hit us um, pretty hard. Took my little one down for a little bit. Uh, he actually got to go to school today for like the second time in two weeks, three weeks, three weeks. So fingers crossed that he's not going to get sick again. <laughs> um, so we had a bit of an adventure. Was it that kind of like the bug that was been going around? Um. Actually, you know, it's kind of weird because he had some tummy trouble, but that was like it. So no fever, no no cough, no it, nothing else. Just just had some tummy trouble, and it was like it didn't matter what he ate; it just upset his stomach. And we called the doctor, and of course the doctor's like, "Well, they can have these kinds of things for like two weeks, and it's fine." And I'm like, two two weeks that's great you know thanks very very much and and then they said if he was still having trouble this week then they give him a call back so fingers crossed that's not going to happen but you know how it is when you've got little ones in school they catch everything and they bring it all home so like uh so but (laughs) we did have a bit of an adventure um a couple of weeks ago uh before he got sick they added some they added a bunch of new kids to his bus route but the bus barn didn't bother telling uh his preschool that they were adding that they had added other kids because it doesn't go to just there it goes to head start and a few other places and so i get this text uh he's supposed to be in at a certain time and it's past that time and i get this text from his teacher and she's like is taryn coming to school today and i'm like what do you mean? Cause I, we'd put him on the bus like 15 minutes, 20 minutes beforehand. I'm like sitting there going, he's on, he's on the bus or he's not there yet. And she's like, no. And I'm sitting there going, that's like a parent's okay. worst nightmare to hear that. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you that right like, now. I would start freaking out immediately. I was I, I'd be like instantly going, okay, so what do we do if he doesn't show up? I mean, it was like, what, 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 how do you, what do you do in this situation? I'm just kind of like sitting there trying to think logically, not panicking. You know, there's got to be some reason. I'm like, okay, um, I'm not sure. So she calls me and she's like, I don't know where he is. And I'm like, I don't know where he is either. <laughs> He's oh supposed to be God. there. Um... Has the bus come yet? And she's like, you know, I don't think the bus has come yet. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe the bus is late. She's like, I'm going to call the bus bar. So she does that. She texts me back and she's like, the bus is running late. And I'm like, okay. She's like, don't worry. And so I text a little bit later. I'm like, is he there? And she's like, yeah, he's here. All the kids are here. And I'm like, okay. Oh my so God. <laughs> what we had figured out, the bus driver finally had said something. They had added a bunch of kids to the route, but they hadn't bothered telling any of the preschools that they had done this. And so that their pickup and drop off times were going to be a little bit later than usual. And I was like, all right, you guys have all got to start communicating, please, because this this has happened more than once since he's gone to school. Not them losing him, but like the first day that he went to school, they it, he didn't get home for like over 45 minutes. 
later than he was supposed to. And I like called him. I like, where, where is my child? That's a lot. And they're like, that's, that's a lot. The bus. Yeah. I'm like, okay, but he was supposed to be here 45 freaking minutes ago. Where is my child? It's like, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, they lost yeah, my I, I don't blame you for moment. freaking out. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, could you guys please figure this out? And then, and then we find out his teacher is leaving. At the end of this week, she's going to a different position Whoa. in the school district. So all of that report, everything like that is is now, you know, they're not bringing in a, another teacher. They're just kind of spreading the work around the classroom because it is a small classroom. And so they can they can kind of do that. It's like two, three kids to every one adult or something like that. And I think there's like four adults in the classroom. So it's not going to be terrible. But at the same time, it's like... <laughs> you have this rapport with this person and, and now they're going to be gone. And so I don't know how he's going to handle that because he really loves his teacher. And so it, it might be an adjustment over the next couple of weeks, but hopefully the bus thing is figured out. I mean, today they were late dropping him off, but the bus driver, when I got him off, she's like, this is the time I'm going to be dropping him off because they added a couple of kids and they prioritized their drop off over everybody else's, which puts them out like, late for some reason so i don't mm-hmm. i don't know but yeah my parents were staying jeez well man well, well hey hey at, um, we're, we're at least everything is is a-okay you know yeah, yeah and that's good but yeah the uh schools definitely need to, to communicate better because man that that i would be freaking out I, I, I don't even like it when I, I like we can't like physically see uh, our kid get on the bus, you know, uh-huh. um, let alone, you know, like a parent, like a teacher calling, you know, with that. Yeah, that would yeah. freak me out. So, oof, man, <laughs> Sam, have you had like quite a uh, like a like, I guess, a momentous uh, week or so as, as Alicia? What have you been up to? Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not a parent yet. So nothing along those lines. Um, but that's a parent. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a dad joke. (laughs) Did you steal Ellie's pun book? Well, you know what? I actually, my kids did give me a, uh, a a joke, a dad joke calendar, uh, like a desk calendar for for the whole year so every oh, no. day i get a new dad joke and some of them are really really bad i've been actually sharing some in uh our discord in the morning uh so yeah so check out our discord i'll be sharing dad jokes there oh more that came from you can't go wrong with a good dad joke there there there's definitely some good ones but yeah no you know, i've been i've been uh keeping busy with uh some film some filming projects uh rogues hollow paranormal society we got the uh, new episode out so that uh elusive uh dalton episode that we've been talking about and we hinted at uh with the interview that we did with trevor um that video is now out on the rogues hollow paranormal uh facebook so you can see for yourself uh some of the crazy things that we were able to catch on camera and we're going to be shooting another investigation this weekend which will be really cool we're gonna actually be uh at a haunted record store so i'm really looking forward to that uh especially the just the location um we think it might have actually even been related to 
the Prohibition era too. It's an older building, and hmm. some of some of um, the way it's designed and, and laid out is kind of suspicious that it may have once been a speakeasy. I'm not sure how many buildings immediately when you walk in, uh, right there is a staircase down to the basement, and the basement also happens to have a garage door that leads to it. So, it, yeah, that could that could be used for some uh, maybe some shady purposes back in the day, huh? Right, and if it is tied as a speakeasy, and there could potentially, if there's any kind of you know mafia ties, or theoretically, you know that could be you know we that could have something to do with why the location's haunted. So, and now it's been converted to a record store. Um, and the owner of that store is actually going to be investigating with us. That was the condition. He said, I want you guys to investigate my store, but under the condition that I investigate too, because this is something I've been wanting to do for a while. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. We should also say too, I mean, our, you, you, you briefly mentioned it, but yeah, our interview with uh, Trevor Tolley from, from Rose Hollow went live last week and yes. uh, that was a lot of fun and it, it's over on our, our YouTube channel. So so go check it out over there. But yeah, that ended up being a, a lot of fun, Sam. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, it was it was really it was really fun for me too. Um, being kind of the middleman that I'm part of Mega Visions and I'm also part of Rogue's Hollow Paranormal. So kind of I know most of what Trevor said is like, well, I've heard this before, but it's really cool because now I can kind of you know jump in with uh, some of the. Uh, pro- video production aspects of it and kind of fill in those gaps as well. And then, you know, kind of bringing up some of what we've talked about here um, with the Megavision show and leading into some of those discussions too. So it's definitely worth, uh, definitely check that out if you're interested at all in uh, the paranormal. Uh, that interview with Trevor Tolley is uh, very insightful from a uh, perspective of paranormal investigating. For sure. We, we, yeah, we, I mean, we talked about everything from how to try to rid an area of like elemental spirits or beings to yes. using an Xbox Connect on a, on a side investigation and even like out of body experiences and CIA, you know, uh, conspiracy theories. We covered pretty much the whole gamut. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, so definitely if you, if you, have uh, about an hour or so that uh, you want to get a little weird and paranormally go check it out. So, Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And then outside the paranormal realm, um, I also helped last weekend on a short film up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio for this film festival, the short, sweet film festival that they do in Cleveland, Ohio. And it's kind of interesting. The way that they run that film festival is it's a competition. They give you a word and you have to make a movie about that word. And you have so long to you know put that short film together. It has to be a, a five minute short. Um, and, um, this guy that I work with a lot on different, uh, movies, his name is Nick Molbach and, uh, Nick drew the word heist. So we had to put together a heist movie. He invited me out to set, um, to run sound. And I'm also going to be briefly in it as an extra. So if you ever wanted to see me get shot and killed, you'll get to in this movie. (laughs) That's basically uh, my role on camera, but it was, it was a really fun experience. Uh, I always jump on any opportunity whenever I get to do something fun like that and, uh, shoot any kind of, you know, movie and, 
short film. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, whenever that uh, comes out, be sure to share it out over this way. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, it the way it's probably going to go down is I, I'd have to check uh, when the actual festival date is. Though I think I think Nick should be updating all of us on that as well, and then it'll debut at that film festival and then uh i think he'll be either putting it up on youtube or vimeo once it's kind of run the festival circuit because he might use it in other fests as well uh, it's possible but once that's publicly available whenever that is it's called the scramble it's kind of a comedy too it's an action comedy um so um pretty humorous stuff instead of regular guns the the guns that they use are like nerf guns um that have like been like detailed and whatnot um and then they all have like these goofy outlandish costumes and it's just kind of this you know really corny and cheesy over the top action comedy is what it ended up being and it's real it's 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 entertaining you're gonna get some good laughs in it as well cool cool Definitely check that out more. Um, <clears throat> I guess on my side, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we did the interview with Trevor last week, but I was also finally able to, to jump back into uh, to doing some some gameplay video uh, for our YouTube channel. I did a, uh, a quick uh, MV Plays uh, video on Stellar Interface, which is a recent release from VGNYSoft. The game itself has, has come out a bit ago. It was released on Steam a few years ago, and uh, more recently on Switch, but they handled the the physical edition, and so they came out. This is their third Elite Edition uh, release uh, for VGNYSoft, and what these Elite Editions are, they they include a uh, kind of a more premium metallic box art finish uh, in the uh, the printing there, which is kind of cool. It also has a 24-page uh, art book or uh, manual, which is really neat because uh, in the back of the book, it tells a little bit about the uh, the developer and the uh, the dev team, and uh, I always like when they when they include that kind of stuff. And then you also get a certificate of authenticity, and uh, for this one they they have a, a print run of four thousand, so uh, I got two thousand nine hundred and eighty eight <laughs> on this one. Uh, but yeah, I got to chase a plate. Uh, it's kind of a um, I guess it's a it's a space. Uh, a shoot 'em up uh, that has uh, rogue like elements and with randomly generated uh, like levels, basically. So you're kind of like this, like uh, a merchant ship that's going around and you're having to take on missions. And uh, it's kind of a, like a side scrolling, side scrolling shooter. But one of the interesting things about it is you have like a dash mechanic, like a, uh, like an ability to dash. Uh, and you can, when you dash, you can actually like dash through enemies and, and bullets and stuff like you can in certain, you know, like platformers and like Metroidvanias and stuff like that, which is kind of interesting. I've never really seen that applied to, uh, a shoot 'em up before, yeah, uh, but it kind of, yeah, it actually works. And, um, and like with this release, you get all the DLC. So when you start the game, you have all these like additional ships and stuff, which is pretty cool. There's this one called the lost mole which yeah. is my personal favorite because he's like super fast. Uh, and, uh, and, but man, it's, it's crazy. You just have to look at it because you get like all these different power-ups and uh, you can get these like additional, like uh, I guess they're kind of like uh, 
uh, you remember in in uh, like Fantasy Star Online, you'd have those mags, which are these like kind of floating companions that kind of help you in battle and stuff. They have stuff like that in here, and so each <clears throat> through each level you complete, you can select like an upgrade. And you can select uh, adding on additional like these like little companion things and they can shoot stuff. And man, once you really get like your power ups and like really loaded up, there's just so much like like weapons and like bullets and lasers and stuff all over the screen. It's pretty crazy. It's, it's a fun game. Uh, I definitely want to play it more. But uh, yeah, so check that out. It's uh, yeah, VGMYsoft.com. Uh, you can uh, do it at the store there. I think they're about forty bucks uh, a piece for for those uh, elite editions there. And uh, yeah, that's um, I will talk about the other thing I did all weekend. God, uh, is uh, working on the magazine. I, I'll, I'll save it until the end uh, because it, this. I'll tell you how like this. I, I feel like I'm cursed <laughs> with this issue, uh, but we'll. Uh, I'll save it for the end. Uh, so with that, let's wrap up our intro sesh and let's jump in to the news of the week. And I think we've had, man, this is, there's, there's so much releases this week, Sam. Oh yeah. We got <laughs> a ton this week. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the, that's the joke. There's only a couple, but there are definitely some good ones. Okay. So we're not we're not talking to, you know, meh. We're talking to pretty good ones. Um, the first one is Endling Extinction is Forever, which now this is the third time this game is releasing, but it's such an interesting title. Um, so it's it's launched last year on consoles and PC, um, and then tomorrow it's going to be available on mobile devices for both iOS and Android. And what the game is, it's a very emotional story it's it features this minimalistic art style um but it's really this kind of foreboding and emotional tale about you know you play as one of earth's last foxes and it's the tale of survival between you and you know some of the babies trying to survive an earth that's been you know ravaged by wildfires and you know different uh, other climate disasters and you're trying to go through this you know torn landscape while providing for your babies essentially and it's really kind of this uh, emotional story driven game but hmm. one that really features this almost if you look at the art style it's very it, it shows you very much the you know this minimalistic style. So you just really focus on the, the story of it all being this mother Fox trying to survive in a devastated earth and, and, you know, keep your, you know, pups safe essentially. So it's definitely one that's, uh, uh, will probably make you tear up and, uh, cry, but that was kind of what the point was it was to really make you think about you know the impact you have on the environment and how it can affect wildlife so it's an interesting title worth checking out and if uh, you haven't got around to playing it on any of your you know main consoles or on pc you can take it with you on the go now on mobile devices i just uh i just signed up to get notified it says i guess on android at least it's not ready to go 
just yet. But yeah, nope. Maybe. It's uh, tomorrow, um, February seventh. Oh boy! I, <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. I, I and I, once again, I must apologize to the fact that I, I, I casually keep throwing around the term tomorrow, even though this is pre-recorded. And by the time <laughs> that the podcast, and by the time that you all are listening to this, it will already be out. Um, so forgive me when I use misleading terms like tomorrow. I'm uh, February seventh is the date, so it's or it's already out now. If you're listening to this, um, then we have Hogwarts Legacy, and I'm gonna intro this. This is Alicia's Beast. She's been covering the game from um, Cradle to Grave. She's uh, the one that will be reviewing it, but <clears throat> it is releasing on February tenth on uh, PlayStation Five. Xbox Series X and S and PC, and it is the long-awaited yet highly controversial uh, RPG set in the Harry Potter universe um, during the Goblin Rebellion. Which I'm not—I haven't ever gotten as far into Harry Potter lore, but to my understanding, that's um, it's it's a series of events that has been alluded to in other media and the in uh, the books and in the in the movies, but has yet to actually been uh, fully adapted. And the game is really going to be kind of going in depth into into that story within the Harry Potter universe that's only previously been referred to. So if uh, anybody who's a Harry Potter fan, uh, this is a game worth checking out. And I think Alicia's itching to talk about. It. I think she has some stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass She's it like, on. Shut over. up, Sam. <laughs> I'm gonna pass the torch. You know more than I do about it. Bite your tongue. No. <laughs> so actually, uh, you brought up the Goblin Rebellion. Um, this is actually the third and final Goblin Rebellion to happen. Um, so they rose up numerous times throughout the wizarding world's history. And what they basically were trying to do was fight for their own personal rights as a race to be recognized as magical beings and to be allowed to create their own society outside of the human wizarding rules. Unfortunately, uh, if you know, a little bit about Harry Potter, you know that there's a lot of bigotry that happens within the, the wizarding world itself. Um, so the wizards, for the most part, seem to think that they are the only ones who should be allowed to do magic unreservedly. And they are afraid of any being that might have magic that could possibly overpower them. It's part of the reason that when you watch or read the books, the centaurs are in the Forbidden Forest. They have been pushed back and had their um, their lands taken from them and pushed into this small area where they basically have to stay because they have magic that is something that the wizards feels a threat to them. The goblins rose up and tried to fight for their for their freedom of this. And unfortunately, they were put down numerous times. And this particular one was the final of the rebellions. And it was after that that, that their uh, magic was fettered and they were placed into positions of being like bankers or some, some sort of subservient um, position within the wizarding world. 
And so, like green you said, gods. this is something. Yeah, green gods. So this is it, it. It is something that's alluded to numerous times throughout the history of Hogwarts. Um, you hear mentions of it in in different sources of media. I believe that there was some that was even mentioned in. Um, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. So it is something that's touched upon, but it's very much so, you know, the underground knowledge that the wizarding world likes to bury constantly because they want to make themselves look good. And unfortunately, in this case, they didn't. They were not the good people in all this. And so it's interesting that we are we are examining this particular part of wizarding history because it is a very dark time and it does touch on a lot of interesting um, characteristics of you know what's good magic, what's bad magic, what's neutral magic. Um, where you know why are the goblins considered to be dangerous? Um, the same thing happened with the the house elves. That's part of the reason that they are where they are is because their magic is so powerful they're able to snap their fingers and literally transport themselves um, and others with them and objects and things like that. So they have abilities that wizards try to emulate but are unable to completely grasp um which means that you know wizards have a a limit when it comes to their magic that's part of the reason you see it funneled through wands and other things like that and why people who use wandless and wordless magic are are considered to be extremely strong um so yeah so it's a very interesting history period and there's been a lot, and we have discussed this so many times, um, there's been so much controversy that unfortunately has surrounded this. And within the recent weeks, it has really picked up over social media um, to the point where some of the things that have been said, the, the threats that have been placed against people who plan to play this and have been outspoken about the fact that they're going to play this have been just not okay. Um, there's been threats of physical violence towards people who are going to go buy it. There's been um, calls for boycotts. There have been, uh, in fact, I saw something today that someone was saying that they're gonna they're calling on all streamers to boycott Twitch because Twitch is running an ad for Hogwarts Legacy right now, and so they want everyone to boycott Twitch. Um, so there's been a lot of it, and it has to do with the the part of it has to do with the the transgender community, the, there's been some controversy when it comes to that. There's also, people are saying that it's anti-Semitic, that the goblins are actually an allegory for Jews. Um, oh my God. What? Yeah, that one's hilarious because it's like, would you please go read up on mythical creatures before you start spouting some of this stuff? Um, that, you know, by that they're, that they're in banks and things like that because they're it's an allegory for Jews and that they're greedy and that kind of stuff. And that's like, all right, I guess you've never played a fantasy or read a fantasy or anything within that kind of, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or WoW or anything. So um, I'd say to draw that connection, that that's it's more. I feel like it's yeah. more racist to draw that connection than anything it is. else. It, it You're is. You're the and one that's making the connection. Yeah, there's been actually a lot of because I've 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 shut my mouth on on social media. I've been just listening, and I've seen both sides of this coming and and clash heads constantly, and it has been not pretty. At all, I mean, if you take the the controversy that surrounded Forspoken and you add it to Atomic Heart and um, 
what is it, the day before, if you take all the controversy that's already those three games, you will not equal what's been going on with Hogwarts Legacy at all. And so I've been like, okay, let's, you know, let's listen to both sides of the story. And there have been a numerous amount of both transgender and Jewish gamers who have come out and said that I'm buying this game. Um, I love Harry Potter world. It helped me get through some really dark times in my life and I'm going to buy this game and I'm going to play it. I'm going to enjoy it. And you don't speak for me. And so that's part of the the huge controversies that you have people who are trying to speak for everyone and trying to force everyone into what they feel. And then you have those people who are saying, but that's not me. You know, I'm transgender, not myself, but I have seen this. I'm transgender and I'm going to buy the game. And I love, you know, that there's this. And then apparently there was some footage that came out because there's leaks that are happening because early access started today. So there's some leaks that are happening. Be fair warned. If you plan on playing this, you might want to, you know, silence all of those. But there is a professor in Hogwarts who's transgender. Let that sink in. Well, and, so. and you see a lot of it's because of what <laughs> a, a lot of it's because of backlash against J.K. Rowling. But right. you have to remember, she doesn't really have anything to do with this game or the developers. The developers right. is completely unrelated, no matter right. which way you look at it. But I think the problem is that the way that social media is set up is, you know, something goes viral and, and widespread, and a lot of people don't do their research and don't really get all right. the facts and just go on a, a, a rampage because it's it's the trending thing to do. It's the trending thing to try to, to cancel such and such because of something that, you know, is very, very loosely connected or related or not related at all. And you just don't have the facts right. But it's not set up in a way that encourages you to do research. It's, it's set up in a way yeah. that, you yeah. know, limits your attention span. I think that's a greater issue with social media and the way that we consume it as a whole it's what we call echo chambers they like to hear their own opinions bounce back to them they don't want to hear somebody else and that has been brought up numerous times that that she's involved in this project and she's getting money from that well you know what she's getting money from um the sale of the books she's getting money from uh universal studios i mean and she donates like a lot of that money to a lot of different charities so she's not even keeping most of it and so that's there's that kind of thing there's also the fact that the developers have repeatedly come out and said that they that there's no connection that she has no connection to this um that she was not intimately involved in the the development or the story or anything like that when it comes to Hogwarts Legacy, that she merely was the person who created the universe in which it is set. In fact, there are no characters in this that were created by her um, specifically. So there is that. There's also the fact that a lot of people have said, well, I'm not going to buy it because the developers have already been paid. And again, you really all need to educate yourself. That is not how the this works. So you don't if you're developing this, you do not automatically just get paid full for the the product. You get portions of the sales as well. And so those sales, which are climbing, it is the most pre-ordered game ever. And I mean ever ever <laughs> it was number one on steam it was number one on on playstation um i'm not sure about xbox but i'm guessing it was pretty high up there for that as well i'm sure that uh, controversy just helped drive that oh, for a lot of yeah they have a saying like, all publicity is good publicity you know? 
Oh yeah. Huge. Just, I mean, seriously, as, as terrible as it is, um, it was a very successful PR run. Um, they didn't even really have to do much. It just kind of became its own thing and, and took off. And I'm not kidding. I saw people who were like, I, I pre-ordered two of them. I pre-ordered the deluxe, you know, the like hundred dollar version, two of those for the, for, because of all of this. And so, I mean, I understand that people don't want to support something that goes against what they feel is, is right. I understand that. But we also have to look at it this way. There was a lot of outrage when it came to this game. Where was that outrage when we had the whole thing with Activision Blizzard or we had the thing with Ubisoft? We did not have people saying, I'm boycotting these. I'm not buying their games. Um, you know, that I refuse to do that. In fact, I still see women who are like, I totally support women in gaming, but I'm going to go play Call of Duty. And it's like, you know, so you kind of have to figure out where do your principles, what line do you draw when it comes to your principles, your personal principles, and are you allowing other people's opinions and that, that the echo chamber or that fear of being, because people were getting banned from other people's channels and off of their Twitter pages and all sorts of things. Are you afraid of doing something that you really love because of the repercussions that other people might heap upon you because of how they feel? And so it's, it's an interesting dialogue that has now opened up because there's a lot of people who are saying, you know what, I remember when a game came out, we just played the game. We didn't sit there and politicize everything. We didn't make a big deal about, you know, and and like you said, it, a lot of it has to do with that social media influence. We are bombarded by everybody's opinion, good, bad, or otherwise, 24-7. I mean, you flip through Twitter and I can see, you know, 50 tweets in three minutes that are all super negative about something and that could you know influence it does influence a lot of people when it comes to their unfortunately their personal decisions so i'm hoping that those who decide to boycott it will back off and allow people who want to play it to play it peacefully i'm a little worried about what's going to happen once people start streaming this um, yeah, because there's of probably the gonna threats. be Twitch rage and stuff. There have been. There's been a lot of of uh, mention that that they're gonna come in and they're gonna hate crash somebody's stream or they're gonna you know report them for um, you name the behavior. They're gonna report them for unsportsmanlike behavior or all sorts of things to try to get their channels banned and things like that. So unfortunately, there this is the reality in which we are facing at this particular point in time, but the reviews that are coming out show that it is um, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, that, uh, that it's, it's got that, the open world that people are looking for and that it really does live up to the magic that was created way back when, when we were first introduced to Hogwarts. Um, the one thing that's also been brought up that I've seen, on TikTok more than anywhere is that people are going to be committing crimes and because you can do dark magic. You can go down those dark paths if you want to. That is an option that is allowed to you. And so people are going to be committing war crimes and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like sitting there going, um, would you like to go look at any, there's a numerous amount of games where you don't necessarily play as the good person. Um, how about Star Wars? Let's talk about Star Wars. You know, um, 
there's several games dedicated to being on the dark side. It's like, yeah, I mean, know? well, that's the thing. So it's about separating, you know, separating, being able to tell the difference between, you know, you know, fiction and nonfiction too. Like yeah, it's okay to yeah. play, a, to play a video game as the bad guy. I mean, how many times did the media try to go after Grand Theft Auto? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. and they try to draw this connection to where, you know, people play these, you know, violent games or play as a, play as like a, a bad person um and you know it's going to automatically you know that that tells you a lot about the person playing the game they want to play as the bad guy um excuse me it's a it's a game it's a story you know it's like yeah. any other any other any other medium i mean people like movies that a lot of my favorite movies are centered around the bad guy you know i love gangster movies and i love horror movies both of which center around the bad guy so it, it's just something that doesn't necessarily make make me the uh, the bad guy so yeah they right. they want to come at people for that it, that that's always grinded my gears a lot it's one of those things that'll just get me off on a complete tangent because you know i, I mean i look at like my favorite games are like you know uh, Red Dead Redemption and Grand Theft Auto and the Resident Evil games. And then I love, yeah. you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino movies. And it's like, but, you know, I'm a pretty peaceful dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, look at Dead by Daylight. I mean, there you can play as some very unscrupulous killers in that. And that's literally, I mean, there are people who play as what's called a killer main. And that's, they, yeah. they develop their specialties around certain killers. And, uh, there's only like two in the entire game that are actually innocent, um, th- that are killers. They're not actually bad people. They've been manipulated by what's called the entity. But the rest of them are really, really awful people and that have done really, really awful things. And people love playing this game and they love playing as the killers. Does that mean that they're going to go, you know, find a, a, a log lost twin, sew them into their body and then send them out after their neighbors or something like that? No, they're not going to do that. They're not going to be uh, Michael Myers or the Chainsaw Massacre. They're not going to do that kind of stuff because it's a game and we play it to have fun. And somewhere along the way, for some reason, we lost that. And I, I hope that eventually with some of the games that are coming out this year that are really look like they are based purely on just having fun, that people will get back to being that, to having fun and, and not worrying about what everybody else thinks or trying to push their own opinions off on other people. So, I mean, you don't tell people what to eat. So why would you tell them what to game? Right. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Cool. So. <laughs> so I will say this, though, just looking at it from a purely a kind of like a score right now and how it's reviewing out there, uh, it's got an 85 uh, on Metacritic currently. Uh, IGN US gave it a nine. And they said in nearly every way, Hogwarts Legacy is the Harry Potter RPG I've always wanted to play. It's open world adventure captures all the excitement and wonder of the wizarding world with its memorable new characters, challenging and nuanced combat, and a wonderfully executed Hogwarts student fantasy that kept me glued to my controller for dozens of hours. It's certainly weighed down by technical issues, a lackluster main story, and some poor enemy variety, but even those couldn't come close to breaking its enchanting spell over me. So that's just what uh, they said from their review. But uh, it looks like, yeah, across the board so far, it's, 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 it's you know doing well critically as well. 
Well, I am looking forward to getting my hands on it and diving into it. So, and I'm not in any way, I don't want people to think that I am trying to say that trans, that I, that I am for or against JK Rowling or anything like that. I'm just saying, let people play, please. That's it. (laughs) I'll say this. I'm against all the people who want to try to tell people what to play. Yeah. I'm always against those people. Pretty much no matter what it is. Yeah. Pretty much on any other topic, I'm against you. (laughs) So there we go. Just I wanted to put that out there. But okay, next up. Hey, Steam Next Fest is here. This is our first Next Fest of the year. Man, this is an exciting time for us because there's a lot of cool games out there. There's a lot of games that's on our content calendar that have new demos out, but Beyond that, there's like hundreds of new demos uh, that have kicked off, and it's uh, it's kind of spans the whole gamut uh, out there. Uh, so yeah, they're doing all sorts of like live streams over on Steam right now, and yeah, they have well over 100 new new demos. So I just thought it'd be kind of fun if we kind of went around and and talked about some of the some of the games that have uh kind of caught your your interest there i i personally haven't been able to play any of the demos yet but i went through earlier today and downloaded about a dozen of them (laughs) and so i have uh i have quite a few that i want to play but i have a few picked out that i want to kind of talk about but i want to throw it uh over to sam first and uh let's uh talk about uh some of the games that you're you're looking forward to playing here okay so I want to start off by uh, talking about Sherlock Holmes, The Awakened. So for those who don't know, and we have a fantastic um, article on Mega Visions on the website uh, written by David Maddox detailing everything we know about it. It's it's uh, very in-depth if you want to learn a lot more. But essentially, this is a fan-made remake essentially from the original game that was released in 2006. So there were able to raise all the money through a Kickstarter campaign in order to redo this. And it, it blends the worlds of Sherlock Holmes and Lovecraftian horror. So it's Sherlock Holmes and, and, you know, Watson solving these mysteries that have been, you know, mysterious disappearances. And it's all tied to Cthulhu, which if, you know, if you're, into any of that Lovecraftian horror or that, you know, old school kind of Sherlock Holmes detective story. And that's really what this game comes down to at its core is that detective element. And you're really solving, you know, this mystery and looking for clues. So if you're like into, into that kind of, you know, puzzle aesthetic of being able to solve, you know, these mysteries and then tie that all into, you know, HP Lovecraft. um, It's, definitely a must play it's on my radar i'm super excited it's going to be very uh story driven um and it just looks absolutely fantastic another game that this one just popped up on my radar today but it looks super cool coven it's a retro style first person shooter where you play as a young girl 
who's been wrongly accused of witchcraft in the 1600s. And before the podcast, uh, I was telling Chris and Alicia kind of almost my connection to the Salem witch trials in that uh, through, you know, legally through marriage on in my uh, family, my great aunt and uncle, that um, they're related to the Mathers. And if you know anything about that, the uh, Cotton Mather and his father, Increase Mather, were two of uh, the leading reverends that were responsible for persecuting um, the so the so-called witches um, in the Salem witch trial. So historically speaking, that's always been a time period that's interested me. And when you look at this game coven and you look at, especially like the way that the art style is, and it, it is the retro style really comes from that, you know, polygonal, almost like uh, PlayStation one type of graphics, but also uh, the color scheme really draws me. I'm looking at a screenshot right now. And, and it's, if you've seen uh, the movie sin city, for instance, where it's mostly in black and white, but then they'll, you know, that red, will pop out you know um that is exactly how the visual art style of this game is and it's very stylistic and i think it's going to be really interesting uh to play that uh, i haven't gotten around to it yet but it's on my list of uh some of the games from the steam net uh next fest that uh, i'm really looking forward to but the one that i really want to talk about and this one is at the is at the top of my list, and I think it's at the top of a lot of survival horror fans' uh, lists as well. Alicia was telling me about it before we started recording this, and that's Paranoid. And just watching the trailer, um, I'm planning to play it as uh, soon as possible. It's the first game right that I'm going to be playing from the Next Fest. It's a psychological horror game. Um, it, it just looks absolutely nuts. The visuals are insane. The enemies are just horrifying. It's got puzzles, melee weapons, guns. It's going it, to, it, it really kind of, it's, it's this idea of, you know, balancing between paranoia and reality. And, and I love that. I love, you know, anything where, um, it's this psychological aspect to it. I love, I've always loved psychological horror. It's uh, a genre that's really fascinated me. Um, I remember when layers of fear came out, for instance, that game, it was really, really cool in terms of balancing that, you know, the idea of, you know, sanity and, and kind of losing your mind. So paranoid really looks to check a lot of those boxes and, it just looks like an all around, you know, just horrifying experience, which is exactly what you want in a horror game. So, um, that's, that's my, that's my rant for what I'm really excited about for, uh, steam next fest. I usually like to come at it. I like a lot of the kind of the darker games, the, with the more horror aesthetic to it. And I think all three of these games really kind of hit that nail on the head in terms of the, you know, gothic horror aesthetic. So, yeah, for sure. No, those those definitely sound sound really cool. I I scrolled through quite a few of those, and and uh, I you know I, <laughs> I I stay away from some of the, a lot of the horror games these days just because I don't need stuff that's like scaring me and like making me any more <laughs> paranoid or anxious than I already am. I'm covered there. So what I what I was looking for. Uh, was just games that kind of like stood out to me like visually and like kind of cool art styles and or maybe just 
some some fun looking uh, genres. And I'll just talk about uh, a few of them. I don't know enough, you know, really about each one of them to, to really go too deep into it. So I won't take too long. But I will say uh, one of those was uh, Mika and the Witch's Mountain. And this is just a really neat. It looks kind of like a cell shaded, um, very colorful, uh, like adventure game where you're basically this uh, this witch named Mika who's traveling around this island mountain area, delivering packages and goods to people. And I guess throughout, uh, you know, as you continue to do that, you upgrade and get new brooms that give you access uh, to new areas and they have new features and stuff like that. It's just a very cute, whimsical looking game, almost like you could say it's Ghibli like from an art standpoint. It's it's close to that, I guess. But uh, it looks very beautiful uh, and just very charming. So uh, it looks like it was a Kickstarter uh, project at some point. And uh, that's definitely one that I would I def- I want to keep you know checking out. So I'll I'll definitely play that one. The next one is a game called Arcadian Atlas, and this is a 2D isometric uh, tactical RPG. So kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics. It looks really gorgeous. Uh, and I don't know too much about it, but uh, I think uh, Sketchcraft actually sent me a link to this a, a week or so ago, and. I, it really caught my eye and I was like, holy crap, I need to check this one out. And uh, yeah, I saw that one. I'm like, OK, definitely going to check this one out. So that's all I really know about Arcadian Atlas. But I will be playing that demo. And the last one is a really cool looking game called Death Core. And this is just more of a classic 2D point and click adventure game. But visually, it just looks really, really cool. Uh, It's by a developer named Alberto Costa. And it just reminds me of one of those just fun old point click, you know, games that I I played back in the day Uh, and just fun art style. I'll definitely be checking that one out. So. So, yeah, I'm looking at games that look at look cool. And there's in in this one, it's, it's pretty violent. And there's there's quite a bit of like little horror stuff, but it's. It's very, uh, it's more comical. I would, I would say it's, it's very comical here and it's, it's meant to, it's going to be probably more of a dark comedy than, than anything else, but certainly not nearly as scary as anything you had on your, your list, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you had the, the, um, and I was looking at a lot of these while you were talking about them too. Um, and the Mika and the witch's mountain, I'm like, Oh, we both have witch games. You put the, that, some of the screenshots of that <laughs> up to the screenshots of coven where it shows like <laughs> all these dead bodies and blood everywhere. And then I'm looking at, Oh, look, this cute little witch. And she's delivering yep. packages and it's all bright and colorful. And mine's like black and white with all kinds of red for blood. And it's like, it, it's like compared, like, um, oh my gosh, have you ever seen that one meme where it says my music taste, also my music taste? It's got like the dude that's like black metal corpse paint, and then next to like the girl that's all preppy, right? <laughs> that's what it reminds me of when we're talking about these games back to back. That's so funny, yeah. But that's that, that really kind of just shows that I guess where my tastes uh, are these days, where you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to play any game that's you know, like too crazy. Uh, from like a horror standpoint anymore but that's not to say i don't appreciate them it's just it's it's not one i 
I, I, I typically play, but I am really looking forward to jumping into Dead Space. I, I want to make some time for that because, man, it, it looks so, so good. Everything I've seen from it. Um, I, I don't want to try to get Sam on a rant about it, um, but uh, it is something I want to play. So I'm not trying to say I, I don't play any horror games. But um, with that said, I want to turn it over to Alicia now to see uh, to see what you're looking forward to playing in this uh, next fest. I swear you keep forgetting I'm the one who's covering the remake of Dead Space, which I just finished today, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me started on that. Sam got to hear my rant. (laughs) (laughs) So um, mine's kind of a mixed bag um, of things because I I have very varied taste. So um, I'll I'll start with kind of the funky one. Uh, It's called A Tower Full of Cats. And it is a hidden object game. I absolutely love hidden object games. They're like an addiction for me. So I don't play them very often because I can literally spend like three straight hours playing one of those silly games, which I know doesn't sound like a lot of time, but for me it is. Um, So in this, it's a hidden object game where you need to pet cats throughout the whole history of mankind and beyond. And it is a cute little cartoony style of game that just it looks like it's going to be absolutely adorable and um i think that one's going to be a lot of fun i'm always looking for something that's you know family friendly and and uh relaxing to play um on the flip side of that there is bramble the mountain king um (laughs) oh that one did look really cool doesn't it i like yeah yeah yeah. i love it it's kind of got like a um, a Dead Souls or a Dark, sorry, Dark Souls um, meets Shadow of the Colossus kind of feel to it is what I thought that of. Check that out. So it's uh, it's actually a grim adventure. Uh, it looks like it's going to be mostly open world. Uh, it's inspired by dark Nordic fables, which I always love anything that ties into any kind of um, realistic lore. So mm. you get to explore these beautiful but dangerous twisted lands of Bramble. Um, and it, it appears that you are a child or at least somebody that gives off a young appearance as you're transversing these things. And you're looking to rescue your sister. So it says that you're going to go through wondrous landscapes and survive deadly encounters with Bramble's many hideous creatures. And if you take a look at the pictures or you watch the trailer, there are some real doozies yeah i'm looking at i'm looking at this and this one picture is like but you know what you know what they got fucking gnomes in this game you guys like hey i'm all in on board with like the red caps man i'm on board you got me you got you put gnomes in a game i'm on board well and the little hedgehog or the porcupine that he gets to ride they look so cute yeah i want to play this game right now so that's definitely that's on the list. Uh, we also have Shadow of Doubt, um, which is an immersive sandbox detective stealth game set in a fully sim- simulated sci-fi noir city of crime and corruption. I've really gotten into the cyberpunk uh, style of neon game. Um, we have a couple of games coming out this year, Novalis, and um, I believe it's called Cyber City that... Um, has that kind of neon glow to it without um, copying cyberpunk 2077 or that kind of thing. And I've, I've 
really love the looks of those kinds of things. So this game looks like it's going to have that kind of cyberpunk with the uh, with the noir. Um, you're playing as a private detective or an investigator, and you are trying to catch a serial killer. And I I'm I'm horrible, but things that have to do with serial killers fascinate me. So um, I'm it looks like it's all voxel based though too, right? Yeah. Um, so that's so interesting. I'm, it's it's pretty, which is kind of strange. That's what's caught my eye. It's very pretty. There's a lot of bright colors, and yet it looks dirty as all get out. So I love that that whole aesthetic um, for that kind of feel, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, my last one is the well, actually I have a ton, but my last one for today is the last case of Benedict Fox, which I actually will be covering for us. Um, and this is. It was announced last summer. It's been on most of our radars if you are into Metrovania, horror, Lovecraftian kind of games. And this one just, it confuses the heck out of me. The more I see about it, the more I am intrigued by what the what we're going to be doing. So Benedict Fox um, appears to kind of be haunted. Uh, he has a a shadow or or some sort of entity that's attached to him that's going to help him through this last case that he is he's um uncovering and you have secret organizations forbidden rituals murder uh you get to explore the dis- the memories of deceased victims and of course like i said it is based in lovecraftian lore which um makes me incredibly happy because i too am a lovecraftian uh geek for things like that so um I, I also really love the, the the art style that they've picked with it too. You you do have some really beautiful colors to it, and um, which is interesting considering the dark nature of the story. So, I'm I'm looking forward to that. We actually have a release date for that too. It comes out in uh, late April, so I'm on board for that. Yay! <laughs> oh wow, yeah, no that that game looks really cool. I, I added that one uh, to my download list. Yeah. Looks really fun. I, I yeah. I'm always on board for for some cool looking uh 2D platformers like this. So but the visuals look really, really cool too. That's what caught my eye was the visuals itself was so they're they're so almost storybook like. Oh, wow. And yet at the same time there there's a, a darkness to it that makes me very interested in what we're going to be uncovering with all of Holy that. Crap. So. Man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's so much good stuff out there. Um, (laughs) It's it's crazy. We could keep going. Um, Real quick, uh, we'll run through this next piece, and then we'll wrap up the news. Uh, It's it's a little old news now. I I had hoped that we would uh, had been able to talk about it last week uh, when it had dropped, but we didn't end up recording. Uh, But yeah, Xbox, Nintendo, and Sony have basically confirmed that they're not going to be going to E3 this year. And yeah, <laughs> um, that's uh, it's kind of a big deal, and it's kind of sent shockwaves, uh, you know, throughout the industry with a lot of people, uh, r- you know, coming out and now questioning whether E3 is even kind of worth having, you know, at, at this point. Um, they're saying that this uh, this kind of announcement comes on the heels of Xbox's announcement last week that it's going to be returning to the uh, to LA for its annual summer showcase. 
Um, but they declined whether you know they were going to be part of E3 itself, which at this point we do now know that they will not be. So, yeah, kind of. Uh, what what do you guys uh, make of this news, and and what you know, what is that? How does that impact whether you know you you feel about the future of E3? I guess. So I think. I think we're in a we're in a we're in a very kind of uh, shifting landscape um, in general when it comes to media and when it comes to uh, video game media. Um, I think that E three's. I don't. I wouldn't say that it's not worth having. Um, I think, if anything, it's worth E three shifting its format over. Um, you know, life hands you lemons make lemonade i think e3 could be a great place to start uh providing a larger more mainstream spotlight to some indie titles if a lot of the big dogs are gonna be pulling out then you know it would be a great opportunity to spend more time highlighting some of the some of the little guys that you wouldn't see as much and i think e3 has that name power and the prestige of being such you know um mainstream recognized uh gaming convention where everything's a lot of the big games get announced and now for you know xbox and nintendo and sony which you know those are the three top in top companies in the industry for them to not be part of it it's essentially as if you're running e3 you need to start thinking about okay don't look at it as a problem look at it as, as an opportunity to do something new so that's my take on it. Alicia, uh, what do you think? So I honestly wasn't surprised. Uh, Nintendo did throw me for a loop. But PlayStation hasn't had a showing at E3 for a couple of years now, ever since E3 stuffed them in the basement. Um, it was, what was that, 2018, 2019? They stuffed them out in the like an annex building or something like that. And it was after that that they didn't come back. And it must have been 2018 because then they didn't come back in 2019. Then the pandemic hit. So, um, so PlayStation not coming did not shock me at all. Uh, Xbox has kind of made it known that they don't want to play nice with others right now. Um, so I was not surprised by that either. Um, it just seemed like a logical conclusion that they were going to do their own thing because they're kind of doing that right now. Um, we've seen that with some of the news that's come from the the uh, layoffs and firings that have been happening, the fact that they didn't show up at the VGAs, the fact that they didn't produce much last year for them to even be at the VGAs, um, and the titles that they dropped for their um, showcase, what was that, last week, the week before, Um and then the uh, the news that's been followed up with Starfield and, and all of the confusion that's going on with that. So wasn't too shocked about it. Nintendo, though, kind of floored me because I felt that this was kind of an opportunity for them to be able to step up and actually have a little bit more of an impact in uh, in E3 because they tend to kind of be the, you know, it's Xbox, it's PlayStation, and then it's Nintendo. Um, and Nintendo has, has notoriously been, unfortunately, a bit lackluster when it comes to their showcases during E3. And so, you know, it would be a good opportunity for them to have finally been able to have that limelight because the other two big contenders weren't going to be there. And they have scooped up a lot of the uh, independent AAA titles um, studios as well, like Bethesda and, and uh, Square Enix. And so, you know, you've got all of that kind of combined into one. So I am disappointed that they're not going to be there, but um, we've we've discussed this um, amongst you know 
Megavision stuff, that the opening up the doors for indies, which I really see them becoming more of where we go in this in the industry. Um, you have studio studios like Anna Peruna, um, which Stray was nominated repeatedly for Game of the Year last year for numerous awards. Uh, several of their other, other titles, uh, Memoir Blue and Neon White, were uh, nominated and won. And so you've got a lot of, uh, I think, Red was it Red Art Studio that's doing some really great stuff? Um, Devolver is doing some really good stuff. And they, they are also part of a Dread XP. Um, you have some really great indie um, publishers that are massive contenders for their games becoming game of the year. Um, what was the other one? Immortal. That was part of it was based or was published by Netflix. That that was part of a big surprise last year for that. So I think that opening up the doors and the floor and giving that spotlight to these indies could be huge. Um, and, and honestly, there's a lot of people who love the indie circuit. They really do. They're, I mean, we talk about our indie darlings. And look at all the games that we just mentioned that we are looking forward to playing. I don't think any one of those is from a major studio at this particular point. And so, I mean, there you go. The ones that we are looking forward to playing right now are not necessarily the ones that are going to be produced by Square Enix or Bethesda or Microsoft or any of these others. So I'm kind of, I am excited to see where they decide to go. I really hope that they, because they're not going to be spending a huge copious amount of money on, on PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo putting on their shows. Cause let's face it, that probably cost a ton of money to have those there. You're going to have all of those extra funds that you're going to be able to give to the smaller ones to have some really great showcases. And I'm, 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 it'll be the first time I ever get to go. So I'm super excited about it. And I hope that they use that, that to be able to, to utilize the floor space to bring in more, you know, places that you can, that you can play and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm, I'm excited, honestly. I don't think it's a bad thing that happened. I think it's a natural progression of where we're going as an industry. Yes, we're going to still have the big titles. Yes, they're always going to contend for Game of the Year because that's just how it goes. But it doesn't mean that that's where our sole focus has to be anymore. We can look at the indies and we can be happy to play those and not feel like we're neglecting, you know, one of the bigger triple A's or anything like that. So I don't know. I'm, if I was part of the coordination of it, I would definitely be thinking outside the box for one thing, because now you can and, and really, you know, pump this up. Also what I'm hoping is that maybe it'll drive the price of the tickets down a bit, but we'll see (laughs) because you're not going to have the big ones. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think um, for Nintendo, I think I, I don't think we should look at this in terms of like Nintendo's done forever with E3, because if you really look, they don't have much to show with the Switch at this point. So I could see them just saying, you know what, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to come to E3. We don't have a lot of, of announcements that we're going to be, you know, and, and we're not going to have a lot of games to showcase. 
new upcoming releases. Uh, so I think Nintendo is probably looking at this uh, you know, upcoming year as a transitionary year where they're going to be looking at moving towards new hardware uh, going into, you know, 2024. Uh, and, and so I could see them saying like, let's skip this year. Let's see what happens next year and, you know, what E3 can do. And if they can show that, you know, it could make sense, then they could go. And I think for, you know, some of these other companies, it, it just doesn't make sense financially because what the reality is, is it costs the development or the publisher, it costs them. They're the ones paying, you know, the ESA to come to E3 and paying, you know, for that boot space and paying their employees, uh, you know, to be there and, and paying for all the travel, uh, you know, f- you know, to, to come to there. I mean, just Sega alone. I remember, was it 2018? I think uh, Marcy and I were there and, you know, we just had kind of a conversation with, with a few of them. And it was just crazy to, to see like how many employees they, they moved. Well, a lot of it wasn't, you know, necessarily because they were, a lot of them were from California, but they did fly a lot of folks in from like Europe and they had a lot of, uh, the the head you know or a lot of the you know more senior japanese uh uh team of sega out there too but it was just kind of crazy to see all how much goes into putting together uh one of the mid to larger size booth spaces there so it is a considerable amount of money uh an investment there uh but i i will say that i think you guys you know are are right that it does give uh, you know, an opportunity for uh, some of the, you know, bigger indies to come and fill some of that space. Because I think we're seeing, you know, indies rise up to the point where they're they're not really indies anymore. Like a lot of these publishers have become kind of mid-tier publishers, you know, on their own right. Like, you know, Devolver, you know, your, you know, things like that. You got like Apogee and uh, you know, uh, Dread XP, you know, a lot of these companies have, have been building quite, a, you know, a, a catalog of, of games and have been around for a while. And so you're seeing these companies starting to, to have more of a, a bigger presence at uh, PAX East and, and some of the, 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 you know, other trade shows. So I think you could see them potentially you know fill fill that space uh you know and just have more of those uh publishers out there now the one thing it would be interesting to see though is that would people be willing to travel and and make e3 you know would e3 still be a destination if you know you don't have those big three and you know the big publishers out there if it is you know those primarily those indies and stuff out there i'm not sure uh, well, I think if, if they if they give them enough of a spotlight, um, I think if they do, if they give if they give the indies the same attention and spotlight that they that they gave to the mainstream AAA uh, titles, I think that there is that there there is that chance that things could shift over. I mean, I think Alicia hit the nail on the head that a lot of games that we're excited for, uh, um, at least between you know the three of us, I know uh, a lot of indie titles. I know there's really there's a handful of AAA titles that I'm really excited about this year and and i'm really interested in diving more into into the world of indies and i think um 
within both the video game and the and the film industry too i've noticed a big shift um towards you know independent films becoming a lot more popular and i think we're seeing that now in in gaming as well where independent independently developed video games are also starting to gain a lot more of that mainstream traction and i think a lot of the old guard of you know, big companies producing the media, I feel like that's starting to disintegrate because I think the barriers of entry are significantly shrinking. And as a result of lower barriers to entry and, you know, more advanced technology being in the hands of some, you know, talented people that just have a lot of passion. Whereas a lot of these bigger companies are kind of losing that, you know, the passion and, and what really makes what really made games of the past really feel, you know, uh, impactful. I feel like now what we're seeing is the pendulum swinging towards the independent side. So I, I have to say that I think that if E3 plays its cards right and, and really does give that kind of attention to these in, independent developers and publishers that I think you will see it's still, you know, remaining as relevant as what it has traditionally in the past. Well, and I kind of think too, that um, you may not see the same crowd that you usually would at E3 with Microsoft and, and PlayStation and Nintendo being gone, but you are going to see, I think you could see a big influx of people coming in that are very much so interested in the Indies. And um, it's a great place for, you know, everybody to gather for that. I'm not really sure that we have a singular indie. I know there's a lot of, of little fests and little uh, cons for indie, but I'm not sure we have one that's like a really big one that you can go to um, outside of, I think Gamecom is, uh, it, it does show off a lot of indies there, but again, that's, that's in Germany. Um, so as far as like, you know, stateside, I, it really could become the hub for, you know, the destination for indie lovers to come and see. I think and they'd like have said, to find a way know? to do it better than PAX East because <clears throat> PAX yeah. East does a very good job uh, on on showcasing indies. And I, I just I just don't know, like, what they, they'd have to figure out, like, how to do it better than PAX East <laughs> and make it well, bigger, you know, because I don't know. That is the East Coast, and see, it's nice to have something over here on the West Coast. You know, I mean, yeah, we do have PAX West, but um, yeah, that's it, what I was going to say. You have PAX West. <laughs> I have PAX West. Oh, and I, I didn't get to go the last year, and so I'm really bummed about that. But, um, but it's E3 is like always. It's the kickoff. It's the destination. You know, start of summer um, for for games and so i think that yeah if they if they handle it right and i really really hope that they do they could have something really awesome on their hands and it doesn't mean that the other ones won't come back but it's nice that they're staying away for a year or or maybe two who knows how long they decide that they want to um you know not do e3 and and maybe it'll allow the indies to really get a foothold and and have a good um you know fan base that's going to come out every year and see them there so that once the big ones do come back in if they choose to then they're not going to lose traction because of people coming in to see the the triple a studios so i mean i i would love to be a fly on their wall when it comes to their pr and everything like that because i do i i did some pr and so i do know how i would market and spin it 
um, to get it out there. And so I'm, I'm very curious to see how they decide to handle it, but I don't, yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, I think it could be really good. Okay. Right on. So, yeah, like I said, I wanted just to, you know, talk about that, get it out there and, and make sure we had a chance to, to offer our, our thoughts and opinions on that. That was fun there. So that'll wrap up the news piece. Uh, and I guess, do you guys really quickly want to go into what we've been watching and playing, or do you guys want to skip that for this week? I, would, I don't want to get into it too much because not, not a lot, but I do want to mention that I have been watching, and I noticed you have been too, uh, The Last of Us TV series. And all I want to say is I, I really, um, for the most part, have been enjoying it. Um, and I think it's definitely one of the uh, better video game to live action adaptations I've ever seen. It's one, it's definitely one of the best, if not the best uh, translation. I think they've done a great job in terms of, of making changes that, that make sense um, while also, you know, staying faithful to the source material. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'll say this, I've forgotten so much about that game. It's been so long since I've played it. And I'll admit, I have not completed the first game and I haven't even played Last of Us 2. So I haven't done the um, second one either. So don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah. So but it's it's one that's just it's been uh, on my backlog and I've been wanting to go back and, and finish it for so long. Um, those damn clickers scare the shit out of me. I'll say that. Uh, um, but well, I have been a good job adapting them too. Yeah, I, I have been uh, really enjoying it. We've actually been watching it as a family. So all of us have collectively been watching it. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I've forgotten a lot of the game. So everything that I've been watching, uh, you know, past, you know, I guess, you know, midway point in episode two, uh, I've, I've forgotten or haven't gotten that, to that point in the game so it's kind of new to me and I'm, I'm really enjoying it man it's you know pedro pascal is awesome uh the uh the actress for ellie i forget her name uh is it bella ramsey bella ramsey thank you uh she's really good she's you know it's it, their their uh relationship and kind of uh you know, just back and forth is, is, is a lot of fun to kind of see. And, you know, obviously episode three is what, you know, everyone has been talking about with. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm mixed on it. I mean, I, I like the, that they fleshed out, um, Bill and, and gave him more of a backstory. And then Frank, who was kind of alluded to in the game, um, and you, you can find him hanging from the ceiling. It's kind of tragic, but you know that, you know, he, he exists, you know, that him and Bill were a thing, but they, they did it really differently in the show. The only thing that I, that I, I can say that I'm where I say that I'm mixed is I, I do feel like um, that episode in a way took away a little bit from uh, Joel and Ellie's journey in that in the, in the game, there's a lot of, you know, action and dodging, you know, some of Bill's traps that he has, and you get a lot of conflict between Bill and Joel, but the decisions that they made for Bill to, you know, go with Frank and, and die together, it, it eliminated the possibility for there to be that confrontation between, between Joel and, uh, and Bill over Ellie and her, you know, condition. And a lot of that conflict just wasn't there. I felt like, 
when they finally get, when they finally do get to the end and, and, you know, Joel and Ellie get to Bill's town, the Joel already knows, you know, how to get in and, and, oh, and they have no issue getting around any kind of trap like it, it was in the, in the game. And I, I wish they would have found a way to maybe, you know, have some of the, the backstory. I, as poetic as it was for Bill and Frank to go together, I think it would have been more beneficial if they would have been able to translate um, more of Bill's paranoia into when, you know, when Joel and Ellie arrive. And I, I think that that's something that I would have liked to see, but I'm not saying that it was horrible the route they went. And I do think for the most part, I do think for the most part, it does stay very faithful to, uh, to the game. I think in episode four, when Ellie gets out the, the pun book, it's, it's kind of cool because it's something that that's the, that pun book exists in the game, but it's optional really. I mean, it's optional dialogue that you can have with Ellie. You can, go through the game and, and not hear any of those cheesy puns. But at the same time, it, it, you get a lot more out of, out of the characters. And I think they've been doing a fantastic job of developing that relationship and kind of breaking Joel's wall down to where he can, where he's very slowly and, and, and reluctantly being this father figure to her that he's obviously, as you know, very apprehensive to take on. So I, I love the way that they've translated that so far. It's been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it, there was like a it, it really didn't you know for a large portion of that episode there wasn't a lot of 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 like movement in the pl- overall plot, you know, that was being told the right until I guess the very end did it move forward there, but um, but yeah, I mean, I th- I think I thought that they did a good job portraying uh you know a a a gay couple and just showing and just kind of normalizing it you know that and and just i i i i don't know overall i think that they they you know did that fairly well but i can understand if if people you know in the game you know who played the game were were kind of like what what why is this uh you know kind of the right. point in this this story there but Whatever. I would have just done like a happy middle ground. Personally, I would have kind of had some of that, but then also brought. I would have still kept it generally faithful to the game. But I do appreciate that they brought in that backstory, and I yeah. appreciate the fact that they have been pulling in more little tidbits of backstory in terms of the virus beginning. I appreciate that those raiders, when you go to when you, when you get ambushed by those raiders there in that town, and the way that they recreated that in the show but then they also took the time to well now let's meet these raiders they're not just you know nameless goons that you have to shoot through in order to survive these people are their own community they have and and in reality they're the heroes of their own story and you see that and and i really like that they took that approach it was very interesting in episode four how they did that yeah, we. Uh, I don't know if we finished episode four last night oh. or not. Um, no, I, I think we did. I just, I just offhand, man. Just, there's, I've been so busy today. I, I can't even recall like what ended up happening towards the end there. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really enjoying where it's going so far. Um, that's pretty much what I've been kind of watching and in, in stuff too. Uh, Alicia, do you have anything that uh, you've been watching or playing that you wanted to 
to discuss before we uh, wrap up? Well, I haven't been watching The Last of Us, so um, <laughs> we don't have H- I don't have HBO right now. Um, and I haven't decided whether or not I'm actually going to watch it because I have seen um, some spoilers that have made me kind of have have kind of soured it for me. Um, so I don't I don't know yet. I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to. Um, so I've actually been on the lighter side of things. Um, the Owl House through Disney uh, just finished up its final season. And it was, uh, I watched like the first couple of episodes way, way, way back when and really liked it. But I'm one of those type of people that if I'm going to binge something, I don't want to wait around for the next episode to come out. I want to be able to watch, you know, several episodes at once and then come back to it a couple of weeks later or something like that. So it's nice that it's, it's finally wrapped up. And so I'm about midway through the first season and um my little one absolutely loves the intro he he gets the the jumpies every time that the intro plays he sits there and hops um oh, <laughs> so he he really likes intro music we just finished up uh ladybug the adventures of the miraculous adventures of ladybug and cat noir uh absolutely adore that show and he loves his ladybug so um so anytime he hears the music ladybug ladybug it's really cute so yeah, been watching that, and then I uh, got the review code early for uh, Pharaoh: A New Era, and uh, in between playing Dead Space the remake, I've been playing that in the evenings before bed, and that has been an interesting experience. So there will be more about that later. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's kind of nice to go back to those old sim type games and see what they. They did some new stuff with it, and uh, it's interesting to see the changes that they made to it. So, um, But it's a relaxing kind of thing. Well, the other night it wasn't relaxing at all. In fact, I, I was just I was seriously pissed off at it. But, um, <laughs> well, if you know how to play a game, you know, with those same games, you know, like, what hazards and things like that that you need to have taken care of so that certain events don't happen. And it appears that there are scheduled events within that, that no matter how you have your city set up, even if you have the necessary things surrounding your houses and stuff like that, those events are still going to happen. And that's a bit frustrating um, for my, you know, OCD. It's like, I, I know I've got everything right and it's, it's supposed to work and then it doesn't. <laughs> And I'm like oh, sitting man. there staring at half of my city emptying all of a sudden because of plague Uh-oh. strikes. And I'm like, there's a physician right there. He just walked by your house. Why are you sick? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I was just like, oh, I had one scenario that, that I, it killed me four times um, a, in a row. And I was just like, oh, my God. So <laughs> I'd figure out how to like trick the game. So in that way, it's kind of nice. It makes me think outside the box. Um, because I do know how to play these games and it's like, obviously it's telling me that I don't know how to play the game as well as I think I do. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, but, uh, it's one of those games that you're going to play forever too. So that's kind of, I mean, like I was looking at it and I got through the, the tutorial, which is six, uh, lessons long. You get through everything. It kind of shows you how to do your basic setup and everything like that. And that's great. And then it's like, and now you're on your own. And I'm like looking at this going, yeah, this is one of those games you could literally put 300 hours in and still not scratch the surface of it. So um, it's, it's, I love games like that. I like being able to um, 
That might be the only kind of game that scares me worse than the games that Sam, <laughs> the horror games. Something that's like, you have to play 300 hours of this. Like, I'm like, oh, God. No. Well, of course, Legacy is like 150. Um, so oh, there is that. Um, and that's that's not even playing like all of the uh, the characters, you know, because you can play a person from each house. So... <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, you know, Skyrim the next era, right? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So very cool. Um, all right, let's just jump into uh just kind of making Mega Visions real quick and then we'll we'll run out of here. Um I will say, my God, like I said uh at the top of the show, I feel like this issue has just been cursed. Like every little thing that could go wrong has has kind of just been going wrong. I, I can't I don't understand it. Um, so one problem that we realized that we ran into is that we'd previously been working, uh, on off Google drive, uh, with all of our documents because we were sharing them between, uh, cause we were kind of collaborating online between multiple different, you know, developers or, uh, designers. Uh, and for whatever reason, I think that there's some sort of, a uh, conflict that's been happening between Adobe InDesign and it trying to download and like authenticate some of the files that uh, that I've been saving because so many of our layouts, probably maybe half of our layouts have just become completely uh, corrupted and they've not been able to open. So fortunately, I save backups uh, and or different versions of them. Um, but there's been times where I've had to go back and just completely um, like rebuild them, which has taken a lot of time and really pissed me off. Um, but one of the parts that's kind of unique in our process here <clears throat> that we're doing with Megavisions is at the end of the design phase and where we're kind of like finishing up is what I'll do is I, I basically export everything uh or all the layouts as pngs without all of the text so i basically turn off all the text layers and then i will export it as a png with just all the kind of graphics and art and boxes and whatever else and colors on the screen and then sketch will go in and add kind of our like mega visions retro filters and things like that to it and and, and give it kind of the, our unique look and then once he does that, he resaves everything as PNGs. And then I import that into InDesign as just one blanket PNG and then lay in the text over it again. And then we export that as PDFs and then blah, 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 blah. So that's kind of how we go. But so I had all those done maybe about two weeks ago and ready to go as so i thought right and he he opened them up when he was getting ready to start and he's like oh man he's like i'm i'm sorry to tell you this but he was like these documents aren't set to the right bleed settings and i was like oh my god what and so what that means basically is that there's like basically almost like a quarter inch trim that goes around uh a magazine uh like layout um, and that's there in case uh, just some, you know, some of the part of the the final image or whatever is is not sized correctly. And 
otherwise, if it's not set, if, if, if you don't have those extended bleed settings, then you'll just have kind of like a white outline around your page. And you don't want that. If you see that in magazines, you know, and, and you'll see that in, in some of these like, you know, more indie magazines that you have, you'll see sometimes there'll be like a white, you know, outline around a page. That's because they didn't have the bleed setting set correctly, which is what I did. Um, because this is just a weird process, kind of how we're doing it, because we're still kind of figuring this out as we go along. Um, and so we kind of figured out how we want to do this going forward. And and we're just kind of working our way through this whole damn thing. But we got to figure it out. And so now I'm, I'm exporting them all and have gotten that done. So once he finishes... Uh, you know, going through and you know adding the filtering now, then we can go and lay everything in and then finalize all the documents. So that's really honestly where we're at with um, with with issue three right now. And then I will say too, we've set you know all of our publishing dates uh, and internal deadlines, our content deadlines for all of the rest of the issues going forward for four, five, and six. So. We are we are going to be set uh, to start rolling on a quarterly basis. We're just uh, just working through this, the last bits on this issue, uh, and then we'll have it out. But we are really already working on content uh, for issue uh, four as we speak. So uh, once we have this done, I'll probably just be jumping right immediately into lay laying or design layout for 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 four. So so yeah. Um, do we have any reviews or anything else, uh, popping up this week, uh, Alicia or Sam that we want to discuss before we head out? We're actually really busy with reviews right now. So we had several that came out last week. Uh, we had, we have several that are coming out this week. So Deliver Us Mars came out today. Um, that's up on the website. Uh, Trophy and Netskip. Netscape, Nescape, sorry, by 8-Bit Legit uh, came out over the weekend. We got both of those up and going. I believe you're doing a playthrough on Netscape as well. Yeah, I, I want to. That's that's going to be my next one I, I jump into because I just I got Stellar Interface done and I want to uh, to jump in because they've done that one, uh, the, the, the Nescape, and then Trophy is another one that they released recently that uh, yeah. I want to jump into. Yeah, and those uh, were both really good games. Uh, Deliver Us Mars actually surprised our reviewer. Um, it has an interstellar, if you watch that movie, um, kind of feel to it as far as like the storyline and its detail into um, the scientific side of colonizing a new planet and flying a ship and how that all looks in, in uh, you know, aeronautics and that kind of thing so it's really interesting uh definitely a different look for a video game we haven't really seen something like that too much it is the it's done by the same people who did deliver us the moon um it's not necessarily a sequel to it but it does help if you have played deliver us the moon before that uh since i am done with that space the remake uh my review will be coming out um, tomorrow, I believe, actually, I'm going to have that up. So I'm super excited to share some stuff from that. Um, especially my Tommy gun, uh, <laughs> that, that was a hilarious glitch. Um, <laughs> that's the one thing I can say 
some of the glitches outside of the game breaking glitches that I will have unfortunately have to talk about. Um, I did find a secret area of the ship that I still have no idea where it was. It's like a, a, a coding thing that I glitched into, um, which was really strange. And there were a few um, like cosmetic glitches where I got like a body stuck to my shoe and I drug him like halfway down a hall, which was hilarious. And at another point, I got a necromorph body attached to my chest and uh, on my gun. So my gun was like poking through his chest and we were almost like dancing. It was it was absolutely hilarious. It's, it, it was like, I don't even know if these were supposed to happen, but they were great. Um, <laughs> I just absolutely loved it. So uh, we will have the first impressions of Hogwarts Legacy uh, since I do get to start playing it here soon. And I believe we will have the first impressions of Havadi as well. And then I, I'm not sure what we've got for minis because they just kind of pop up. So um, we, we will probably have some minis out this week. If not, we will probably we'll definitely have some out next week. And next week is also going to be extremely busy. So I cannot wait to start talking about that. Um, so, yeah, definitely got some things to look forward to. Very, very cool. So. All right. Uh, with that said, let's uh, wrap it up. And before we go, I just want to uh, encourage you to check out our Patreon over at www.patreon.com slash Megavisions, where you can subscribe to get a physical or digital edition of Megavisions magazine. We are going to be publishing quarterly and issue three will be shipping very, very soon. This issue is going to be very awesome. I promise you it's going to be the best looking issue that we've done yet and i'm i'm very excited do we have so much great content in it. people i think are really going to enjoy it and are going to be excited to see where we're going to continue going forward with megavision so more to come with that let's wrap things up and we will see you all next week take it easy <laughs>